Get up and go. I'm Pastor Rob Myles, and welcome to the Ponder New Podcast. And uh, we're going to keep in the book of Genesis, but we're going to move ahead to the stories of Abraham and his family. And they begin with the words, get up and go, as God calls Abraham on a journey. It's a journey of faith, and it's, uh, for many Christians right now, beginning the season of Lent, which is also a journey, a journey of faith, a journey to the cross of Christ. And uh, so again, we're, we're going to look at these stories of, of Abraham here, and I just love it how this guy from the Bronze Age, that's like not LeBron, but bronze, the metal used before iron and weapons 4,000 years ago, the uh, interplay of, of family members, the struggles there, the the dynamics of faith, how they, wow, they just, they're still with us and they're still so uh, real and relevant. So, well, let's move ahead here in the book of Genesis to chapter 12 and begin a journey of faith together. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them blue for me and you. And I think to myself Genesis chapter 12 Now the Lord said to Abram Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took his wife Sarai and his brother's son Lot, and all the possessions that they had gathered, and the persons whom they had acquired in Haran, and they set forth to go to the land of Canaan. When they had come to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he moved on to the hill country to the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and invoked the name of the Lord. The record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, son of Abraham. It only takes 10 words into the New Testament before we are reading about Abraham and his genealogical connection to Jesus This is going to continue not just in the book of Matthew, but throughout the Gospels, uh, where uh, the stories of Abraham pop up, whether it's uh, John the Baptist challenging the people to repentance, uh, Jesus um, critiquing especially the practice of the Pharisees uh, in the Gospel of John, in the Gospel of Luke, the the parable of the rich man and uh, in Father Abraham in heaven, um, the letters of, of Paul and, and Paul's reflection on Abraham and righteousness, um, and then even James's sort of contrary teaching to Paul or sort of the way in which they're, uh, they're challenging each other there and in their interpretation 
of Abraham. So if we want to understand the New Testament and the, the message and ministry of Jesus and its implications for our lives, the stories of Abraham are, are clearly in, in the mind of all those who are writing and involved in the New Testament. But it's not just because of the ark uh, that links the Old and the New Testament. You think about the world's arguably three of the sort of the five or six big religions in the world, uh, you know, Islam, Christianity, and Judaism, uh, all have obviously much in common, but, but really the, the main link between all of them is Abraham in terms of a human. And uh, Abraham plays a role in all three I believe in, in Arabic, Abraham's name, the, the vocalization of the vowels is a little bit different, typically Ibrahim. But all three, again, uh, religions have this. And I'm recording this podcast as uh, Ukraine and Russia are at war uh, after an Olympics in which we just heard about the Menar, the persecution of the Muslim um, Uyghur population, um, you know, only sort of seemingly weeks after we'd read more reports about sort of violence between Sunni and, and Shiite Muslims in the Arabian Peninsula, in Iran. Um, it's just clear that we live in a world in which there is a, a real and, and ongoing threat of violence, and, and that often um, religion still plays a big role in that. I'm not going to say that religion causes uh, wars because um, China seems pretty atheist and they seem pretty okay with with attacking places. <laughs> so I, I don't, and I don't think that's, again, I think that's a, not a fair critique. But what I just want to say, though, is that um, religion has a capacity to uh, build walls, but also to build bridges. And I think that Abraham and the study of his stories is a way in which we can find bridges to people of at least two of the other great faiths uh, around this planet. But the other reason why I'd, I'd like us to study and reflect on the, the life of and the stories of Abraham and his family, as well as his wife Sarah and Hagar and, and sort of the rest of, of his clan, is when you, know, you read the story of Adam and Eve, it feels, in, in the creation account in the Garden of Eden, it feels very mythic. But when you get to Abraham and you start to read the stories and you see the way that Abraham behaves, you suddenly scratch and say, that, that, does, that kind of, that's very human. That's very much like me. I remember once that we had this selectification Bible school curriculum and, you know, we got all these things in the mail. And one of these offers from companies, what they had out that summer, and one was called Heroes of Faith. And I, I don't think I threw up all over it, but I, I was tempted um, I really don't like when we think about people in the Bible as heroes. Uh, certainly many people in the Bible do uh, noble and virtuous things and um, display all sorts of admirable characteristics and, again, do fantastic good works. They, you know, outside of Jesus, they, they all stumble. And, and I think that, that rather than try to uh, promote an understanding of the Bible that it's these sort of perfect people who only do things right, I, I really much prefer the actual stories as they are, in which the people are like us, and they make mistakes. They uh, have tragic flaws, yet somehow 
God is able to administer both justice and mercy. And, and to see the way in which God's justice and mercy unfold in the lives of, of these people, it's so rich. And, and I think it really helps us understand then how God's justice and mercy are playing themselves out in, in our lives. So I think the stories of Abraham are stories that don't just answer deep philosophical questions like the, the chapters we were looking at in the very earliest part of Genesis. I think these really start to get into the everyday life of, of how we as humans who um, are sort of broken and beautiful, who are beloved yet still sinful, um, and sort of how we struggle with one another, and then how God shows up in the midst of that. So those are at least, I think, three compelling reasons why we'd want to study um, the stories of Abraham and it's all over the New Testament, that it can be a tie to other religions, and that it really is going to help us understand how God uh, interacts with, with our lives. And so I want to now introduce us to Abraham, and in, in so doing, again, I think help draw us in and, and more deeply see, yeah, okay, this is why we're, we're doing this. This is why we're going to take time and, and study these stories. And the one thing that's kind of interesting, whenever you read about a biblical introduction to somebody, it's very foreign to us. Because if we're an American, the way we would introduce somebody is we would want to know, um, you know, what they do for a living, maybe where they went to school, and sort of what zip code, if not even what development uh, they live in. In other words, we want to know how much money they have, because that's at the core so much of an American value of how we sort of rank each other. The ancient world, that, that really wasn't the primary way in which you uh, cared about sort of who people were. What was more important was uh, who they were in terms of their family. What family did they come from? Uh, rather than sort of how much, how much money is in their bank account. And so what, what, sort of who they are, you know, who is their family and, um, and where, do they, where do they live? What tribe, what clan are they from? So you want to sort of know that about a person. And what we, we learn about Abraham is that he is uh, from, um, his, his family is from a, a place called Ur, which... Um, now, so for all this stuff, there's, again, a lot of Old Testament names. It turns out you can look them up on Google, and there's all sorts of uh, ancient maps, you know, and the, the, nothing too complicated, really. You can just type in, you know, the names, and it'll show you where they are. But basically, the, there's a little bit of a debate where this Ur is or which Ur it's referring to, but it either refers to one in the southern part of Iraq near almost Kuwait, or it refers to a... Um, in, in Ur that is in Turkey. But regardless to say, not Israel, <laughs> far, far away. And in what, what did Abraham do? He probably was more of like a herdsman traveling with his flocks. So what do we know about Abraham is that he um, was somehow uh, born in, deep in the Middle East, and he probably was a herdsman, and if that's all we knew about him, we might say, well, that probably doesn't have a lot to do with my life, right? That could almost be a barrier. Like, what does a almost Bedouin sort of hermit, <laughs> sort of, uh, yeah, herdsman have to do with my life? But if when we get into this story, we realize, okay, Abraham was somebody who, and these are the more important things, 
in his life experienced uh, profound poverty and also profound wealth. Uh, he and his wife for a long time uh, struggled with infertility. At the end of his life, he would have, by the end of the time he died, he would have had seven children. Uh, land was crucially important to him, and actually um, many of the, the fights over from his religious to children have been over the very land where he was. Um, yet he uh, was a refugee for, for much of his life. At points in his story, he uh, had direct contact with God in a way that um, is just inspiring, um, Yet other times it seems like God is a bit more silent in, in the story. Uh, so you start, oh, and then also he has this, again, we're sort of perceived as the sort of the, the, er, the er father, the original father, but yet his family is really rather blended uh, and fairly broken. And there are days of, of laughter, but there's also days of real insecurity and sadness. So I will admit that Abraham was somebody who eh, is basically a nomadic herdsman from the Middle East living almost three, uh, 4,000 years ago. And that might at first present numerous barriers to thinking how this person's life could have bear any consequence on uh, my life. But when we really get into the stories, we're going to discover that Abraham is somebody who um, loved family made sacrifices for his family, yet at other points experienced profound brokenness as a result of both his actions and the actions of others. We're going to see somebody who lived through times of uh, profound uh, poverty and need, yet also extreme abundance. Uh, somebody who, um, at some points, his faith seemed so strong and he had like, direct contact with God, and other times God seems a bit more absent or at least hidden within uh, the story. Uh, so, yeah, I think there's, uh, we'll find ourselves. So why are we reading the story of, of Abraham, again, this nomadic herdsman from 4,000 years ago and his, his uh, family? Well, because I think we'll surprisingly find ourselves in this story. Again, as the, we discover the struggles to be a human and, um, and our encounters with God and how God shows up in our lives. Specifically, uh, we're, we're this, uh, this series of Abraham, I, I want us to uh, think about under the theme of, of a journey of faith, uh, because Abraham is almost always on the move, especially in the early part of his life. And I think for all of us, the last uh, two years have certainly felt like a, a journey of lots of stops and starts. And that's also how Abraham's journey is going to be. It's going to be um, uh, just a lot of moving, thinking that things have worked, and then discovering that they haven't. And I think that stop-start pattern of life sounds very familiar for a lot of us. Um, but even regardless of the last two years, just the, the long arc uh, of life and, and the way in which we yeah, hopefully are, are growing in faith, hope, and love, but often discovering that we may not have made as much progress as, as we thought. But the story that we, sort of the way we encounter Abraham at first, after some really basic kind of biographical details about where he starts, we have this voice of God come to Abraham, who at that time is named Abram. We'll explain that another day. But he... Uh, He's called, 
And uh, there is, uh, and I'm going to actually teach you the, the two Hebrew words there for his collar, lake laka. And that means get up and go. And, and in fact, Hebrew actually doesn't even really have adverbs. So when you have two verbs in a row, the first verb functions as an adverb. So when it says get up and go, it means um, go in a getting up kind of way. <laughs> Immediately. Don't waste time. You know, don't ponder this. Don't put this through the nine-step decision process to figure out your options and weigh the best choice. Just get up and go. Respond to the call of God. I'm curious, in your life, have you ever felt such a direct sort of just impulse, um, instinct, voice uh, that maybe you were able to ascribe to God, but just a boom, it's time to move, a sense that you know, the, yeah, you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them and know when to run. And it was just time to run. And that's what, what happens here for Abraham. But I want to, but the stakes are really high because Abraham is told to, to leave really all that he knows. Um, and, and there's actually another word, word here in Hebrew, um, Beit Av, you don't need to know that one, uh, but it's your father's house. And in ancient times, this would have really sort of been, um, Kind of like your fortress, your world. You know, you would have had many, uh, typically more than one, maybe more than one generation living together or very, very close. Uh, and, and so this, you're really leaving everything you knew. In the last few years, we've had a ton of refugees all around the world. Our, our church now is involved in resettling Afghan refugees. And I just, my heart goes out for people that have really had to leave all that they've had to know. Uh, and, and I'm again curious about times, even if it was a slower decision um, in, in your life, have there been times when you've been, been challenged, been forced to, to leave much of what you, you knew, where you were maybe uh, somewhat comfortable, but again, had a sense, even if it wasn't a direct voice from the heavens that said, go, you just, you had to leave and to have a profound change in and where you were, and your living situation. What I think is the most bold thing of all, though, is God says, get up and go to uh, a land that I will show you. And this is perhaps the most maddening uh, part, but I think it's also the part that rings the most true. You... In life, rarely ever do we get the full plan from God. You know, when when have you ever felt like, even if you had a sense from God, that there was something you had to do, you know, to propose to somebody, to uh, take a job, to, to make a move, to reach out to a friend, to... Um, you know, whatever whatever move you you had you had a sense that there was some divine inspiration or nudging toward it. Were you ever given the full plan of what this would all look like? I think not. I wonder how many of us, even though we clamored to know the next steps, right, and our desire to sort of control the situation. Well, if I do this, God, well, then what's going to happen next? I wonder if sometimes God isn't merciful and that God doesn't reveal to us what is actually next in our lives, knowing that we might then not really have the courage. But right from the get-go here, Abraham's life is going to reveal that the journey of faith with God is going to be one that's going to require a lot of trust. 
that we're not going to have full knowledge at any given moment what the next part of our our journey is. So in, in this story, just these brief sort of first words here, I want to acknowledge that not all of us have had uh, direct uh, voices from heaven tell us what to do, although this will be something we're going to continue to reflect on how we do discern the call of God in our lives. But I think we all have probably experienced uh, those times when in life we've been challenged to leave something of a situation of some comfort, um, that there's, there's a challenge, uh, a call in our lives to, to a new chapter, to um, yeah, a new situation, maybe a move, a relationship, yeah, to, to sort of move forward. And, and often that call is one that is only, can only be lived out in faith and that we don't have all of the details for how it's going to go. Only this promise that God is indeed with us. So hopefully that's a, uh, a warm-up and an introduction here to uh, the stories of Abraham, some, some rationale, hopefully gets you excited about, about digging in and some initial reflections on the call of Abraham and what that call looks like in our lives.